This November, my family was given an advent calendar unlike any that we had used before. There was a numbered envelope for every day, each one containing a window cling, a plastic cutout to stick on the glass. The idea was that over the course of the season, we would build a nativity scene on one of the windows in our apartment. The older boys happily took this up as a pre-breakfast ritual every morning, opening the day's envelope and adding to the scene. So little by little, this picture has been growing over the past weeks. The usual suspects are there, of course, a barn and some animals, a manger and two parents, a couple of angels, a crew of shepherds. But in addition to those pre-cut shapes, several of the envelopes included squares of extra plastic with the invitation to create your own additions to the scene, which we also did. So after 26 days of this, we now have quite a crowded window. There's a pond with a couple of ducks paddling around, and a flock of geese in the sky, and a leafy palm tree with a Christmas stocking hanging from one of the branches, and five or six wise men, and a small herd of camel, and the Big Dipper constellation in the sky overhead. There are no dinosaurs or astronauts yet, but there might as well be. It's sort of Christmas story as combination zoo and massive blowout street party. In one sense, that's a pretty long way from the story as the Bible tells it. There are no loudspeakers announcing the big event in Bethlehem that night, no spotlights on the manger. In fact, unless you happen to be a goat in the barn or a shepherd in the fields outside town, you probably missed the whole thing. The little town is crowded with visitors, people obeying the command to show up and be counted for the census. In all that bustle and commotion, what's one more nervous young couple arriving with dusty feet and looking for a place to rest? They certainly don't look like royalty. They're people you could pass on the street and take no notice of as you hurried home, people who could find themselves taking the only spot left in town, smelly and uncomfortable though it might be. I actually found myself wondering this week how the shepherds found Mary and Joseph and Jesus. I mean, the angel told them the baby would be born in Bethlehem and that they'd find him wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And that's all fine and a little helpful, but they didn't give an address. And I'm guessing there were lots of mangers around. This was an agricultural society, after all, where lots of people kept animals. So I sort of picture the shepherds wandering the streets in the dark for a while, knocking on doors, peeking into barns, maybe listening for sounds of an infant crying somewhere. This was an ordinary birth to a couple of ordinary parents in an out-of-the-way place, something the neighbors very well might have slept through. So in one sense, the Christmas extravaganza on my family's kitchen window is not very biblical. In another sense, I've decided that it is perfectly good theology because Christians have always believed that what took place in that little known village on the edge of the Roman Empire on an ordinary night 2,000 years ago changed everything. The shepherds get a glimpse of this. Do not be afraid, the angel says to them, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people 
all the people. The birth of this child tonight doesn't just mean joy for his parents or for his wider family or for his community or his town. It means joy for all. Maybe that message is as much a mystery to us tonight as it must have been to the shepherds. How can this child's birth mean joy for all? How can it be good news for the whole world? Especially this year. We are celebrating the birth of Jesus at the close of a year filled with incredible challenge and heartache and grief, where many family gatherings are impossible and others have a newly empty chair, where injustice continues and deep societal divisions persist, where most of us find ourselves singing carols alone at home instead of alongside our community in church. It is not the Christmas that any of us would wish for. There's no getting around that. And yet, the proclamation of the angels that has rung out for 2,000 years continues. I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. For to you is born this day in the city of David a savior. That proclamation has sounded through good times and bad, through wars, and famines and plagues through long winters and struggles of all kinds. And it sounds again for us tonight. There is good news of great joy for all because in Jesus, God becomes human. God takes on our life and a new chapter opens where we learn that God is at home in our world, that nothing can separate us from the love at the heart of creation, that no life, however humble or ignored, is beyond God's care and concern. That ordinary birth in the little town attended by no one but a few shepherds is finally the great story at the center of everything. In the Christmas story and in the God to whom it points us, all our stories find their center and their place. The baby in the manger holds them all together. I hope you hear that tonight, that the Christmas story is big enough for all, big enough to embrace this messy, holy world, big enough to hold our lives, our hoping, our grieving, our rejoicing, our longing, big enough to take our scattered community this year and gather it together. So for any kids listening out there, I want to invite you to add whatever you want to your nativity scene tonight. Reindeer, princesses, fire engines, superheroes, make it as big and as crazy as you want. Because in the story of God's love made known in Jesus, everything finds its place. Everything and everyone belongs. Amen.